This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning. This is Kurt Sumner again with you on the NSPS Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us today, or if you're listening to a podcast later, thank you for downloading our show and listening. We know that a lot of our listeners do come in that way, and we're always pleased to have you. Uh, I have an interesting guest today, and I'll tell you a bit of the story about how this occurred. Uh, As most of our listeners know, our office is located in in Frederick, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., so I'm sitting in my office uh, a few weeks ago, and a fellow named Richard Lupkin walked in, and his company had moved in not too long ago beside of us. I don't remember exactly how long it's been. And I'd seen their name on the on the, the sign out front, and the, the acronym is SPT. And, of course, the first thing I thought about was STP uh, from the Motorhead days. But uh, nonetheless, he came over to ask a question about how he might engage surveyors to help him on a project that his company was doing here in the area. So... That sparked my interest, of course, in what they were doing. We had a longer conversation. He started talking about some of the jobs he's doing here. Uh, All of those things were intriguing to me, and I know they will be to our audience, because as surveyors, we get involved in lots of different things and laying out systems and and, uh, sometimes piping systems and and getting involved one way or another with with the types of things that SPT does uh, on, on a different level, of course. But anyway, I was intrigued by it, so he contacted uh, the home office. I think the home office is the one, in, or one of the ones in Florida, and um, got permission to to have a, a show with us. And so, as a result, today my guest is a gentleman whose name is Brandon Page. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you with us to talk about the company and some of the things you do. Um, and as I said. Uh, although on the surface it might not seem that there's a direct connection, the connection is that surveyors are inquisitive people and learn, love to hear about and learn about all kinds of new technologies and the way people do things. And then, as I mentioned, there is a bit of a connection somewhere along the line in some of the work you guys are doing. You maybe can talk about that a little bit later, too, where surveyors do get involved to help do locations and that kind of thing. But um, maybe a, a good way to start... Uh, Tell our audience a little bit about you and, and what you do and how long you've been with the company, and then we'll talk about uh, the basics on what the company does. Uh, very good. So uh, SPT stands for Specialized Pipe Technologies, and um, I like to think of us as like the Navy SEALs of pipe work. Um, all joking aside, basically we're a pipe inspection and non-destructive restoration company. Um, I got into the plumbing industry or plumbing business by accident, like I think maybe some people tend to do. Um, I grew up in Kansas, and after college where I had met my wife, I, she was from Florida, so I ended up chasing her down here, um, trying to get her to marry me. And as a result, I needed a job. So uh, not directly, but indirectly, her brother was... Uh, manager at a plumbing service company and got me on as a helper. So uh, for the first year or so, I was just in general service plumbing, getting exposure to anything and everything plumbing related. But uh, after a couple of years, I thought, you know, I'd like to do more than just 
uh, clean drains and solder pipe and put in water heaters. And so I decided I'd start learning the next hardest thing. So uh, I just tried to learn the next hardest skill. Uh, one of the acronyms um, or taglines for SPT is the, the, the phrase problem solved. So uh, in the plumbing inspection and, and kind of you know, leak detection type work, you're constantly faced with these worst case scenario problems. So uh, my brother-in-law, Justin Mizell, who's uh, one of the vice presidents here now, he moved on to what was the original version of this company, I guess, or the, the founding version about 15 years ago, uh, which was called Sleuth Plumbing Technologies, and it was strictly a video inspection company. We did basically drain line inspections with cameras. So for surveyors, you know, uh, they did basic everything from two-inch up to maybe 12-inch tractor cameras, a lot of residential and commercial. And over the years, that company just continued to progress and that there, the different technologies that were out, you know, in the, the plumbing industry. So though the company was not really a plumbing company, it was more of a pipe inspection company, the doors just kept opening up to these new technologies of restoration work. So I kind of went with the flow and worked here a number of years, and I actually uh, went out on my own and, and got into doing uh, leak detection on potable water lines. Uh, that was kind of the next hardest thing to learn after camera inspection, so I, I took this mentality of just trying to learn the next technology. Um, so leak detection of itself is very vast and complex thing, I guess. Um, finding water leaks using acoustic equipment from everything from, say, half-inch copper lines under a kitchen to mainline leaks running down the road on a highway or chiller system. So it uh, kind of a wide range of stuff to be involved with for leak detection, but Coming full circle, after years of that, I owned a couple of leak businesses. Um, I came back here at SPT, which is now grown by leaps and bounds. They're doing just totally wild um, restoration services from CIPP pipelining to epoxy coating water lines. There's now some new equipment that's like a hybrid between video inspections and leak detection on main, main water lines. So it's a really exciting company to be a part of. Uh, SPT has a number of uh, affiliate offices around the country, which is how you found out about us in, in Frederick, Maryland. So that's kind of a general overview of how I got to where I am today, being involved. And the company, like I said, the mentality I took of trying to learn the next hardest thing, or the next techie thing, I guess, is kind of the mentality that SPT has has taken and, and now um, is a part of this, this kind of specialized outfit uh, that's now kind of on a, glo a global company by the name of Aquam, which... Uh, same same concept or mindset of inspecting pipes and then offering solutions to rehabilitate them without having to conventionally trench and replace, you know, storm water, sewer water, and water lines. I haven't gone away. I was just writing a note while you were talking. <laughs> it's kind of a mouthful to take in, but anything anything pipe related from say. Like I said, half-inch water lines or maybe, say, inch and a quarter drain lines going up to, say, 36-inch storm drains. That's kind of our, our area where we, we move around as far as offering solutions. Yeah, the, as I was talking to, to Richard about this and then further uh, when you and I were talking and some of the 
the research I did, looking on your website and that, that kind of thing, the the thing that came to my mind, it, it, as a matter of fact, for the audience's sake, but before Brandon and I came on the air, he, he was talking about having read my resume and, and realizing that I'd been in surveying longer than he'd been alive, and and that that's true for a lot of people in the world today. That I'm older than they've been alive, but uh, thinking back. Uh, through the the jobs that I've done, and I've always been in surveying, but in in a lot of cases I was is uh, partnering in uh, civil engineering surveying companies, and so we were doing lots of different water sewer pro, uh, type projects for oftentimes municipal or state clients or or government or regional. And and my first experience with anything like this was I don't even remember how many decades it's been now, but standing um, above a manhole somewhere looking at a, a a screen, sending back pictures of the little mole, I guess you call it, on wheels that was going through sewer lines yeah. and watching the the rats peek around the broken pipe to see the camera coming. <laughs> that's right. Rats are in Florida alligators. Yeah, oh, geez. That's... I, I don't know that I'd want to crawl down in manholes where that's the case. I, it was bad enough when... When mice and or rats and snakes were in, yeah. but but I guess that does make sense. I mean, they they have a way of getting in there, I suppose. Yeah, when they're small, every once in a while you run into one in a storm line, or occasionally even in a in a manhole somehow, some way. Just some of the wild stuff you see. Yeah, and that anything that can get inside of there can can certainly make its way around and and uh, utilize the water, I guess, for whatever purposes. One of the things that um, I noticed in, in, in your back, background, this is no surprise, actually, but for the audience's sake, um, one of the things that we deal with a lot across the country is the, the whole licensing structure of ser- people in different services, whether it's professional services like surveying or whatever the case may be. There's a pretty significant licensing structure all across the country for doing particular things, and we happen to think that's a really good idea because we think it's good for people to have some proven competence, at least from the testing perspective. And and I noticed in your resume that there's a, a license for for that you have a license in Florida, and I guess that probably a lot of your people are licensed in either that same category or perhaps others. Yeah, I've I've got my first plumbing license actually in Kansas. Uh, they were under the Uniform Plumbing Code there. Uh, I think they still are. There's kind of they were going back and forth between that. And the international, and then lucky for me, when I came to, back to Florida, um, they rec- didn't recognize those licenses, so I had to go through the uh, standard, you know, state testing for Florida to get a plumbing license. And here in Florida, though, the, uh, the Kansas ones were both plumbing and gas. The Florida was separated out. They really get you for each one. So um, over the years, I went in and got a, also a pool. Uh, with leak detection, by default, even if you don't want to do it, what comes up is swimming pool leak detection. So both residential and here in Florida, everybody's got a pool, not to mention all of the large-scale commercial pools, everything from you know, high-rise on the beach to Disney. You know, there's a lot of water pool, water you know, in-ground pools here in the state, so I got a, a pool uh, contractor's license. And right now I'm actually working on my GC, so there's always, there's always one uh, that are – are useful and around the country we do the same thing. We normally start with the plumbing and depending on you know which way the services are going, there's others that come up. So. 
Yeah, it is interesting. This is certainly true in our profession as well. Um, most licenses aren't directly uh, transferable from one state to the other. You have to do some little something, even if it's just take a, a short quiz on their state laws and surveying or something. But then other states don't even allow that. You have to you know, go through their whole uh, examination process. So I certainly understand how those things work. It's, it's befuddling sometimes. Um, of course, in, in our business, there is a lot of difference in the way things have been done historically um, from region to region and sometimes from state to state. So I do understand that, uh, the whole licensing thing, but just uh, something we in the, in the professional fields and, and you know, have, to, have to deal with, so we, we deal with it as we can. We're uh, probably 20 seconds away from our first break, so when we come back, I want to start talking about some of the things that you guys do and, and how you do them. Um, and, of course, we can follow up on our initial conversation as well. We've got plenty of time to do that. But uh, in any case, let's go take that first break, and we will be back here in just a couple of minutes. Got a Shonstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Shonstead. The factory will refurbish it to like new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.shonstead.com slash NSPS for details. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800 438 0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today the new Sean said Maggie combines pinpoint accuracy and state-of-the-art ergonomics see it at your dealer or learn more at www.seanstead.com you're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to NSPS Radio Hour. Today we're talking with Brandon Page with... STP, Specialized Plumbing Technologies. We were talking, Brandon, before we went to the break about the, the whole licensing structure and the processes you have to go through. And um, in, in, in the surveying side of things, we, we also have certifications for at technician levels and that kind of thing. I don't know how it works for you guys if there's different categories or, or everybody works toward the same thing. Um, in, our, in our particular business, or of course, plumbing in general, there's a very structured uh, set up for testing for state licensing. I've said over the last couple of years, I suspect at some point in the, in the near future, as the types of services that we do with uh, you know pipe inspections and diagnostic, with the technology, with the computers, it's getting 
just so over the top. I mean, the amount of information that you can now gather from these inspections is it's just so awesome. I suspect in the, in the near future that there'll be a subsection now, another license that may develop for specifically for the type of work we do as it's becoming more mainstream. Uh, I mean, camera work on drain lines and storm drains is not, is not new, but the, the tech and the software is getting better and better and better. Um, so I suspect in the near future um, that will start to become more of a norm. I think especially in, the, in some of the southern states where a lot of our plumbing is um, in the houses. There's no basements here, so a lot of things are built slab on grade. Mm-hmm. So um, I suspect that will be something we start to see more of. But um, for the last 15, 20 years, we've been kind of working out the bumps and bruises of how to do that type of work. And so I guess our claim to fame getting into the rehabilitation process, it all came out of the inspection work, all of out of cameraing lines and listening to, for leaks and, and things of that nature. Yeah, and, and speaking of the, the way you guys do things with, uh, I guess, trenchless is the right terminology, that's one of the things that intrigued me when I started talking with Brandon about it because having been involved in being on sites for lots of different kinds of things from uh, sanitary drain fields to piping systems to, to build, you know, when something's being built or, or whatever, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, dirt moving in, in laying pipe, and I'm assuming historically there's been a lot of dirt moving when you had to try to figure out what was wrong and repair it. So I was I was really uh, intrigued about the process that you guys use uh, when you're when you're doing repairs. If I'm understanding it correctly, you can you you go inside and see what the problems are, and then you are able to come back and and put a liner of sorts inside the the existing pipe, which I, that that really intrigued me. Yeah, so our services, basically, they divide between drainage and pressurized water. So beginning with drain lines, this would be sanitary, sewer, and storm. Uh, going back years ago, the, the one of the services that we actually brought, it came out of California, and from I'm not sure where it came from as far as California is concerned, but... One of the original pipe restoration processes we used was called pipe splitting, uh, where essentially you would take a, a hydraulic piece of equipment, you'd uh, dig a hole down to the level of the pipe on one end and then down to the pipe on another, and hydraulically with a cable pull a new section of HDPE pipe through an old existing cast iron, clay, or you know, concrete sewer line, and it had a... Uh, Foot by foot, you'd literally burst the existing pipe underground. Uh, very effective way to replace pipe. A lot of labor involved, and you still to dig a hole on both ends. We did that for years and years, really kind of mastered it. We're doing it even in residential homes inside, you know, pipe bursting four-inch, three-inch, two-inch lines under slab inside of homes. Uh, but as, as the technology started to come on board with cured-in-place pipe, we, we began to move into that. Um, which was essentially a different concept. Rather than bursting the existing line underground, uh, we moved into rehabbing the existing line by essentially pulling or blowing into place a cured-in-place liner. If you, if you, the way I would describe it is if you've ever been hunting or playing sports and you stepped in you know, two foot of water, uh, filled your hunting boots up with water and soaked your socks, you know, you take them off and wring them out. Essentially, a liner is a lynch, like a a sock. 
that liner gets impregnated with a two-part epoxy, and then either by a method called pull-in-place, where it's pre-measured and a section is actually pulled into an existing line, or by inversion, where it's pressurized and blown into a line, you essentially blow that epoxy-impregnated sock into a line, and we're now, I mean, we started out doing three-inch and four-inch, then got into doing smaller, two-inch and a half, and then started going up, you know, six, ten, twelve. We've now got a system where we can cure in place, you know, 36-inch, say, storm drain to storm drain, a continuous 300-foot run of cured in place pipes. So you're thinking of like a epoxy impregnated liner that's shot into a line from one, say, one catch basin to the next, and over the course of a couple of hours, the product cures and kicks, and you essentially have a new, slick, beautiful piece of pipe inside the old existing failing pipe, whether that be cast iron or clay or, you know, PVC, even concrete, whatever. You know, we've done, we've done some corrugated lines recently, big lines under a huge mobile home park. So it's a very uh, more more technically, ultimately it's more less disruptive. So our, our objective is always the same thing. It's to minimize destruction. And, to, and the main thing with now with everybody, I mean, the more Florida is just so many people are moving here, the population's exploding, is no one wants downtime of any kind. They don't want to be inconvenienced whatsoever. So we're, we're trying, what, what dri- has driven a lot of this innovation is this trying to minimize destruction and also minimize downtime so you're not taking people out of service uh, as much as possible. This is, of course, for drainage, for sewer, but the same is true for water uh, systems. So that's kind of the... Um, where we are today, there's a there's a very there's a couple other systems we use for rehabbing drainage and sewer lines. We're also uh, heavily into cleaning. Uh, where basically the way this process would begin was is from an inspection. So you a person has a problem, our community has a problem, uh, the city, someone comes up with an issue, a blockage, a stoppage, or improper drainage. They suspect something's wrong. So we, it all starts with an inspection for us. So uh, from years of being in the inspection business, it made a natural fit for us to move into some of these trenchless, non-destructive means for fixing. And now, like I said, there's a whole gamut of restoration processes. We're moving more and more towards the epoxy-based solutions with relining and coating lines. So if you're, when you go in a a pipe and you, there's a problem, there's a leakage or a break or whatever the case may be, um, and you're going to put the liner in for the since I'm not well schooled in the terminology, I'll call the word liner. Um, yeah, liner. And and it's gonna it's going to uh, seal, so to speak, that pipe so that it's it's not leaking anymore, or it, or the the break is fixed, or whatever the case is. Um, it, I assume some of the places where that occurs, or or, or maybe I, that's a wrong assumption. I, I should ask a question. Does this occur in pipes that are are elevation or grade sensitive? I assume they do if they're drainage pipes. Sure, yeah, all of them so, are going to have fall, yeah. Right, so with the liner going on the inside of the existing pipe, does that have impacts on the on the on any grade issues? I mean, obviously, if the pipe's going on some slope and you're continuing on that same slope, that grade's going to be basically the same. But the elevation inside the liner if I'm understanding this correctly, would probably be a, a little bit different than the elevation of the original pipe. So yeah, I, I was just curious if, if you ever have issues with that. Uh, 
The only issue we run into is a line that's actually bellied, which is its own problem. So uh-huh. if you have a line that actually has a sagging issue, uh, that's its own issue. But um, in, our, in our instances, most of the time, the lines that we're looking at, what we find, pipes in our region, around the country, really around the, whole, around the whole world, but when pipes start to hit this 25 to 30-year range is when they start to really seem to have issues and break down. So when we're installing a liner, most instances, whether it's a sewer line or a water line, which is a different process but still epoxy-based solution, the, the, a lot of times the line you're looking at is so scaled up and corroded that whatever the original inside pipe, you know, diameter of the pipe was, it's, it's far reduced from that. Uh, you know, you might have, say, a six-inch line that's been reduced down. It might be getting four-inch, you know, comparable flow or whatever. So after the inspection phase, before we ever install a liner, one of the procedures we use is some variation of, you know, high-pressure or psychonic cleaning where we actually are descaling or removing debris and build up from the line with, you know, various, you know, technologies um, of which we've also are heavily involved in. There's a lot of really cool stuff that's coming out uh, for cleaning lines, both sewer and water, that's far, far beyond just, you know, a K60 cable on a line uh, or whatever mechanical device you, you might have, a cutter of some sort. So when you're installing the liner, I said a lot to say this, the liner itself, based on the diameter of the pipe, the thickness of the liner is not, it's not a, it's not a massively thick uh, piece of material. It's structural, so once it's impregnated, I mean, you can take a hammer. For example, if you had a piece of six-inch, I don't know, clay pipe, once you've, you've installed a liner, you could take a hammer and beat that six-inch clay right off the pipe. And what you're going to see inside is that impregnated, sealed, cured, cured-in-place pipe. So the wall thickness of that liner, it, you know, it may vary depending on the size of the pipe, some, from, say, an eighth of an inch to a quarter-inch. But you're not, you're not recreating a, re- a drastic reduction in the inside diameter. Plus, like I said, it's being cleaned from being in deplorable condition to start with. Right, yeah, yeah. I, that, that's, as I was, as you started to make this, the, the, the explanation there, that, that thought did occur to me that in looking at the, some of the diagrams, there's a cleaning process that goes on before this occurs. So you're, yeah. so there's you're a, there's a total and restoration. it makes perfect sense that you got all that, that, Cloggage, for lack of a better term, inside, particularly in older pipes, as as they get old, that's gonna that's gonna happen. So that that makes perfect sense. And so we're, believe it or not, getting close to another break. We're about a minute and a half out, so we can continue this conversation when we get into the next section. But um, if I'm understanding correctly, oftentimes you're doing this indoors. You mentioned old houses or or whatever, um, and so I, I was just curious if you ever run into issues where age of pipe or that type of thing cause you issues you have to figure out. Of course, I guess you do an inspection early on, so before you start working, you probably already know that. But, I mean, obviously, if you're working inside a, a house or a building, you you don't want any, any leakage at all if you can get to that. Yeah, and that's where, when you go indoors, this is where the technology, once again, the different techniques... It's just so, I think it's so cool because you're doing something that's so difficult to start with. You get into a hospital or a 20-story multi-unit building, things get real sketchy real fast if you start trying to clean a vertical stack with, you know, 3,000 PSI water pressure. It's a bad idea. So oh, yeah. So that's, that's led us into other, you know, even in-house, we've done, a, you know, 
necessity is the mother of an invention. So we, we're constantly being faced with these miserable problems. And then sometimes a guy in the field I hate to interrupt, with it. Brandon, but yeah. we're, we're time for a break. Let's pick up right where we left off when we come back. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Got a Seanstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Seanstead. The factory will refurbish it to like new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.seanstead.com slash NSPS for details. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And it's yours. Welcome back. Um, Brandon Page is joining me today from STP, and we're having a conversation about uh, all the work that that his company does. And before we went to break, um, we were talking some about the the whole process, uh, and we were talking about basically sewer piping at that point. Uh, you had just gotten started on, on some piece of that, so maybe we can finish that up, and then, then I know we want to talk about some of the water issues as well, not just the drainage. Yeah, so uh, where we kind of left off with, uh, with these various problems, when you get especially indoors or multi-unit properties or, like I said, assisted living or hospitals, the liability goes through the roof. So... What is very simple to accomplish, or, or a lot more easy to accomplish, out underground between, say, two catch basins or manholes, becomes infinitely more complex when you go inside someone's, you know, the walls of their unit. Um, and like I was mentioning, the men in the field, our men sometimes are the ones where the innovation comes from. And truthfully, a lot of the guys have come up with, all the guys have come up with these awesome technologies. They were one time doing it. They were trying to solve a problem, and uh, somebody said, hey, what about this? You know, so... People with the guts to try it, you know, all of a sudden this entirely new revolutionary way to rehab or rest- restore pipes is now created. So 
we've actually gotten into, you know, progressing from initially just inspecting lines, drain lines underground, we moved into then pipe splitting, then pipe lining, and then the next logical question, once we start to deal with the lines underground, is, well, what about the vertical lines inside of structures? And we moved into, you know, developing ways to install cured-in-place pipe on sanitary drainage lines, vents, and cleaning these different lines, everything from, you know, vertical cast iron to full vent systems. And it just kind of continued to compound. So every time we'd have a success or we'd have a failure, we'd learn something, adjust something, and and the, 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 the methods and the technology would just get better and better. So um, from the drainage, you know, the, the whole other side is then potable water. So kind of following the same progression, you can get out, on the mains outside running down a road, you've got big, straight, long runs of pipe. Um, if they're going to leak or have an issue, they tend to be at joints. And so traditionally what would be done is, like I did for years, we would come in and acoustically locate a leak when a pipe failed running down the road or, say, a main between the, the meter and the house. And then even up under the house, you know, getting closer and closer to the, the, the next smallest diameter pipe makes the technique become more more difficult and more a lot more mastery involved. So um, once you start moving into inside of structures, you're talking about dealing with the, the lines that are under slab or in the walls. So one of the things that we are also involved with here at SPT is the restoration of water lines. So whether we're talking about a main line or lines under slab inside a house, there's technologies now that have come out that that we're involved with where we essentially, rather than installing a liner, which I kind of explained is like a sock that's been impregnated with epoxy, for water lines there's some different procedures where since the lines are always pressurized, uh, there is the ability to go in and clean those lines uh, with an aggregate or the product that basically blasts or sandblasts inside of the lines, say copper, galvanized pipe. And then an epoxy uh, a proprietary epoxy product is shot into the lines, which essentially creates a barrier coating for the pipe. Uh, and so from manifold to manifold, say inside of a house, or from the main valve at the house going back by the building back to a meter, or say from a meter out to city lines, there's, there's different procedures for essentially blowing or pressurizing epoxy into potable water systems. And then with the cure time of a few hours, that epoxy sets up bonds to the wall of the pipe, and now you have a system that's coated and then prevents leaks, you know, pinhole leaks that develop in copper or galvanized um, and the various different you know, types of materials the pipe used for water. So that's a whole other side to, once again, the objective being non-destructive and, and non-disruptive restoration uh, of water systems. Well, I can understand why, uh, particularly along those lines, this might be a good market for you guys. There's lots of really, really old buildings with really, really old pipes here. Yeah. And, and, and of course, a lot of those buildings are, you know, have historical significance. So, so I would imagine that creates uh, an interesting uh, scenario or challenge, so to speak. Yeah, we've got a number of projects um, on historical sites that, you know, they're certified 100-plus years old. And they have all kinds of restrictions, and you can't cut the drywall. You know, you can't open the ceiling. Uh, they're not going to allow you to tear something out. I'm actually going to look at a building today in, in downtown Sarasota that's having issues. And same thing, they're, they're certified, you know, historical landmark. And um, so they are under pressure. They still have to have a working system, 
but they, they don't have the liberty to just do a conventional repipe or a traditional trench it out and replace it. So when you're in those kind of situations, that one, or, or, or in any structure for that matter, but, I mean, obviously it might be more sensitive in the more historic ones, but in any structure, is there, when you're working in that environment, does that create a some level of downtime for the use of those pipes while you're working? I assume well, the objective is to minimize it. At, at, at some point, for example, one of the processes we use for replacing water mains is just a conventional directional bore where we bore a new line from the meter to the building. Um, that work can be done while the person still has their water hooked up, but at some point there's going to be a period where there's going to be a disconnect, for example, where the meter has to be hooked up to the new line and the house has to be hooked up to the new line. So what we've tried to do is figure out ways to minimize it. For example, there was a hospital uh, called uh, Temp Tampa Baptist Manor, which we did all of the restoration of the waterline rehab, and the guys, it was wild what they did. They actually ran the hoses for shooting the epoxy into the building up along the roof in some of the hallways, and there's people that are uh, seasoned and in need of assistance moving around, and so they could not be disrupted. So with a, with a structured plan of action, we were able to go in, you know, unit by unit, floor by floor, and coat the lines while figuring out creatively how to keep them up and running. And those people literally stayed in the building while it was being done. So. Yeah, that's, that part of it is, is kind of amazing to me. And, you know, a lot of the things that happen in surveying are probably uh, amazing to other people or at least curious. So uh, for you guys, this is old hat. But <laughs> just to think about that, that process and uh, how uh, client aware or client sensitive that is 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 amazing to me uh, to allow people to basically have their lives uninterrupted by the work that you're doing yeah that's the ultimately that's the goal um and so it, it forces you into you know say a traditional plumber contractor would say well that's just ridiculous that's impossible you know and you're trying to figure out a solution and we've done a couple of mobile home parks last year we had some crazy rains here where it just dumped insane amounts of water in the course of a couple hours and all of these storm drainage systems were, were unable to take them. They weren't able to carry the capacity of water off the properties to wherever it was supposed to go. So we were tasked with situations where we realized there was lines that were bad or they were failing, and if they were clogged or blocked, they had to be cleaned. And then, say, liners installed to, to restore this, you know, corrugated lines or concrete lines, and it had to be done within the space of hours because it might rain the next day another four inches. You know, so right. you, you get in some of these scenarios where that's the, the – the problem-solving nature of, of, of restoration. Yeah, and, and I would I would think similar to the same attitude that we in the surveying profession have about our our service to the people. You know, for, among the professions, we like to feel like we're probably the most closely directly related to our clients because we're on their land. We're talking to them directly, um, and and I can see where you guys would be in that same sort of environment. Yeah, very, very, um, you know, very customer satisfaction, I guess. It's, it's right. on a whole different level. Uh, not to mention your borderline work in a miracle. You know, what you're trying to do, you know, we first talked about attempting some of these things. Everyone's like, no, I can't, you can't do that. No one can do that. Well, there's a way to do it. You know, that's what we keep telling ourselves. If, if we can't do it or has somebody else done it, it, there's a way to do it. You know, just like you had mentioned uh, 
the other day we spoke about using these drones now for surveying. I thought that was so cool. There's, there's with the technology coming out, somebody somewhere has figured out a way, and it might just need to be adapted for what you're doing you know, to do something. Right. Yeah, so. that's true. And and when when a new technology comes out, people tend to look at that te- technology for the specific purpose for which it was created, but but then you start looking at what are all these other applications, too. So that, that, that makes an awful lot of sense, for sure. Didn't you tell me earlier when we were talking, you, you mentioned the acoustic side. I think you told me that's how you really started, right, on the acoustic side? Well, I, I started here at SPT when it was strictly a video inspection service. It primarily worked for the, the local plumbers in the city. But after working here a few years, I then decided I wanted to learn something new, and I moved into, which was all, at the time, SPT was all drainage, storm and sewer. So I decided I wanted to learn potable systems, you know, drinking water. And that's how I got introduced and moved into the acoustic side of leak detection. So that was the traditional, the way that I was trained to do it and the way we were very successful with it was where you basically are essentially, you have a gear that you're listening for the leak, you know, from the surface. You're listening with a probe. We used the same thing. We had to, we'd taken stuff in the industry and then made it better and made it better and made it better to where it would do what we wanted it to do. Or we would essentially walk around outside on the main, above mains or in, even inside of the building, inside of a residential home, and listen to the slab uh, for the sound of you know, that, the water uh, coming out of the pipe to pinpoint the leak location, which that's not a new service, but we've kind of taken it, the concept of that you know, acoustic leak detection to like a different level. Right. Um, this is obviously a specialization. Is, is there a lot of competition doing the exact kind of things you guys are doing? or are you? I mean, I know people are working on these types of problems, obviously. I was just curious if there are other companies out there that, that are your competitors, or do you guys sort of stay ahead of the curve? Uh, we definitely do have competitors. I think most industries you would. Um, we've been doing it in most instances longer. And I think right now there's still, there's still a, a fire lit under everybody here to be the best at it. So though there's, people, there's a lot of people attempting to do what we're doing, um, but we're also, we're also not just, I think one of the, the saving graces of what we've been trying to accomplish is we don't stay stagnant with one technology. If there's something new, uh, the guys at the top here, they're, they're really gutsy and they're willing to try stuff. So, uh, for example, there's a new piece of equipment that's come out that we're we're working with that it's just it's the coolest thing and it's a basically a hybrid it's for finding water leaks on water mains it's essentially like a combination inspection camera and leak detection device all built into one when uh, we got a minute i'll explain to you how it works but it's i'm super excited because in, in my world it's like the hybrid kind of combination of everything i've learned how to do into one piece of gear that certainly makes a lot of sense if you can ha- you can get that situation going. That's for sure. Well, we're 15 seconds away before um, before we go to break. So when we come back, let, let's do pick up on that a little bit. Maybe you can tell me some during that sec- uh, segment about the, some of the pro- cool projects you guys work on and how you use surveyors. So let's go to break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. 
And here's something new from Shunstead. Did you know that Shunstead has upped the ante on trade-ins? Now you can trade in any instrument, theirs or a competitor's, in any condition, working or not, and receive more in trade than ever before. Plus, they'll pay the freight both ways. Contact your local dealer for details or go to Shunstead.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Got a Shonstead locator you're no longer using? Want to help a young surveying student? Donate it to an NSPS-recognized surveyor education program by shipping it, at no cost to you, to Shonstead. The factory will refurbish it to like new condition and send it on to a deserving institution. Pass your locator down the line and build on your surveyor legacy. Go to www.shonstead.com slash NSPS for details. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Back for our last segment today with with Brandon Page at uh, SPT. As we were going to break, you were talking about some some new equipment. So let's talk about that a little little bit, and maybe you could fill us in on some some interesting projects you guys have done. So one of the pieces of equipment uh, or you know solutions that has we're we're right now working with is a piece of equipment called the JD7. And uh, its designers are out of the U.K., some very, very intelligent guys. Um, they've developed essentially, in a nutshell, a camera. It comes on a reel similar to like a mainline camera inspection device that you'd use on a drain or sewer line. Mm-hmm. But what's fascinating about this camera is they've developed some methods for actually installing this camera uh, into a pipeline we're talking about pressurized water line under pressure in, in full operation. So with water systems, uh, you know, the trouble is always shutting down the water. You know, you don't want to shut it down. It's going to inconvenience someone. So this piece of equipment enables uh, assessments to be made of underground main water lines um, from basically three-inch in diameter up to um, assess the quality of the pipe, uh, give an expectation on the life expectancy, so, and also to do leak detection. So leak detection on, on main lines gets, can be very complicated, complex. Um, there's a couple of pieces of equipment that people use, but at the end of the day, what we found after years, it's, it comes down to the technician. You've got to have a highly trained, knowledgeable guy that knows what he's listening to to find the leak. The problem is that takes years and years and years to train someone how to do. Um, you know, we had a standing rule that a guy wasn't ready to go out on his own on complex leaks for three years. That's a long time to invest in someone. You're giving them almost like a college education, and you're hoping they don't leave You know, once you've got them trained. So this piece of equipment, not to get overly complex, the camera that you actually would send down a line, this is a, a water line that's in use, it's videoing the, the line. You're getting a, a full HTTP, you know, 
resolution picture back at your, your monitor. But the camera also has built into it a microphone that picks up high-frequency sound, which is essentially the you know, lines under pressure, the sound of water leaving the pipe. So when you come across a joint or a valve or a fitting that has a leak or just a you know, problem with the line itself, you can actually physically hear the leak. And the sound is, it's, it's, um, you're getting feedback from the equipment, from the program that's running, but you also can listen to it. So it uh, enables someone to find leaks, both visually and by, by sound, sitting in the back of a, a truck. You know, um, So this is similar in concept or in nature to a drain line inspection, but the added feature of being able to you know, measure the pipe, to do evaluations of the pipe, and the evaluations go next level. I mean, there's ability to scan the pipe with a laser reading to actually measure the inside diameter of the pipe, so you're, you can take readings as you go down through, and even wall thickness. So, like, the level of data that can be uh, collected with this, this family of, uh, of equipment, it's just off the charts. So it allows uh, the technician or the, the, the trained individual to go down through the system and bring back a wealth of information that can then be used to present to property owners or the city uh, and make guesstimates, uh, educated but, but uh, very accurate estimations on the life expectancy of the pipe or if there's a problem area, why. And then, then next, of course, comes the possible trenchless rehabilitation solutions for fixing the problem. So that, that piece of equipment is kind of on the cutting edge right now. It's like a hybrid of all of the best different pieces of gear that have been introduced in, the, say, the last 20 years, and then it's been kind of merged together. And, of course, it's getting, everything is getting smaller and smaller, so it can be in, in put into you know, smaller lines. So that's right. kind of the next wave. As you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, it's a shame there isn't some way that a piece of equipment like that wasn't able to give um, uh, horizontal and vertical location of the pipe as it relates to what's above ground because that's that's a big issue in the surveying world when you're trying to show where underground pipes cross a property. Uh, you know, maybe you know where the easement is, but the line's not always end up in the easement. So well, one of the I was most thinking, basic wow, wouldn't things, that be cool? One of the most basic things that cameras do is they have the transmitters built into them, uh, 512 locators, which just basically, if you run the, the camera down through the pipe, say, 150 feet, and you can go check the location, you can walk above ground with a locator and pinpoint the exact location of the camera with a depth. Oh, so wow. That's, that's, that's so that is doable. It, yeah, it's called pipe tracing. It's been around for a long time, and uh, that gives you the ability. So, for example, if, if you're trying to check a line and then, you know, somebody's got some as-belts, and we always refer to them as should-have-beens. Right. Yeah. The pipe is not where it's supposed to be. Uh, we can come in and mark it within a foot. I mean, we're talking not like a couple of feet. A lot of times we can mark it within inches. I mean, the contractors dig holes and go, I can't believe this thing is three foot six inches deep right here. But it's um, the locators make it very, very straightforward. It puts out a direct signal that you can pick up. So, yeah. Well, that part easy. of it certainly has an implication in the surveying world just because part of the, the, the thing you're trying to do in, in surveying properties, in many cases, is to determine where those things are. And this, this sounds like it's a, a good tool for helping surveyors do their job rather than necessarily surveyors helping you do your job. Yeah, it would be kind of like an accessory or an assistance type thing. If you've yeah. got a, 
a storm, a sewer, a water line, and the question, the location is in, in question. Like you mentioned earlier about having depth on the pipe, gradual fall. Mm-hmm. I've been in, we've been in inspections for years and years and years, and, and for example, not just to locate the pipe. That's, that's kind of a given, or, or get a picture of the pipe. But actually take, for example, run a pipe, say, three-foot or five-foot sections. Like we just did a, a long 300-foot shoot on a piece of 12-inch downtown, and uh, we marked all the lateral connections for all the new buildings. There's a bunch of construction going on. All the bad joints. So on the concrete above, the technician that was working with uh, the guy driving the camera, he went every three to five feet, put a mark on the ground with the depth. He'd mark a, a lateral and so, you know, after that 300-foot inspection is made, you can update prints, and it's not a que- it's not a we think it's maybe in this general spot. I mean, it's a true to life. You can dig a hole, and there the pipe will be. So it makes it very useful for getting true to life information back on what's really in the ground. And depth of pipe really isn't an issue, is it? In terms of no, figuring that out. No, there's. I mean, most transmitters that are built into the equipment we use, they'll go to say. Eight, nine, ten feet, but we've got deep, deep underground sawn transmitters that'll send a signal through, you know, very deep, you know, twenty plus feet, even through ductile iron, things that are pipe that are hard to put a signal through. Right. So, um, yeah, you can you can uh, you can trace it, and know almost more than you'd want to know about the pipe. <laughs> from from the surveying perspective, I'm not I'm not sure that the, that there is things you wouldn't want to know, but. But that's that's really interesting. I I hadn't really thought about that part of the application. Uh, I was thinking more of how would the surveyor maybe help you. But it sounds like there's probably a, a way that you can help the the surveyor or the designer, for that matter, if they're trying to figure out where uh, where pipe pipes are. Well, yeah, I've used up mentioned. almost all of our time with all of my uh, inquisitiveness, and I haven't given you a chance to talk about any cool projects. We've got three or four, maybe four and a half minutes left. So, uh, anything come to mind that that was one of the coolest things you've done? Well, we've done a couple of, uh, there was a couple of projects I wanted to specifically reference, and then I got the, the big no that it's it's under wraps because of who we were working <laughs> for. Okay. We've, we've, we've done, without telling you the location, we've done some really sketchy stuff where it was like, you know, this is either going to work or <laughs> we're all out of a job, you know, <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of stuff where you're putting a, a liner in the ground, say, under traffic, We've done a couple jobs, for example, at some bases where, you know, uh, it was very technically difficult, and you're talking about shutting down. If you if you have a failure, it's not just that you block the line. I mean, you're talking about shutting down maybe systems that are a lot more delicate. So when you're staring someone in the face saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put this liner in the ground, or we're gonna we're gonna do this replacement process, and and they're basically telling, well, if it goes wrong, you know, we're talking about you know, hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of dollars in damages that can't be fixed in a day. You know, so um, those kind of projects, they're, and, and, and when they're done, they're fun because you said we actually did that. Um, something, too, I thought might, might, I don't know if this might be a surveyor thing that stunned out. We've, we've done a couple of times. Every once in a while, I mean, I know no one would ever do this on purpose, but you'll get sewage pumped into a storm drainage system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got issues in Tampa Bay, for example, where there, there's sewage that's coming into the bay. It's coming in through the storm drainage system. And so people want to know how is that happening. Uh, we've got a process where basically we can test sanitary sewer or storm. And a few times we've gone into some large communities where we've hooked up a piece of equipment that induces a visible type vapor and pumps it through the, for example, say the storm drainage system. 
which should be separated from the sanitary sewer. <laughs> and lo and behold, Mrs. Jones's house, you know, back in the back corner of the neighborhood that was done on a weird permitting thing, it's got smoke start pumped out of her vent stacks on her house, meaning that her house is connected into the sanitary mm-hmm. or to the storm drainage system. Right. So those are some of the, you know, some of the things like that every once in a while you'll get into a job that it's kind of fun to find the problem um, in that regard where you have crossovers between, say, storm and sewer, um, things of that nature. I know years ago we came across one, one property that had not been a, 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 it was a church, actually, that had been receiving these exorbitantly high water bills, and they started to go up and up. Long story short, we came out there, did some leak detection and some tracing, and found out that the building next door had tapped into this church's main water line like 35 years ago. And so when, the, when it was all said and done, what we ended up finding out is that the commercial space next door had been fr- having free water on the back of this church for 30-some-odd years. Oh, wow. So those are some of the cool, you know, of course, they were in a huge, they had, a, you know, they had some kind of astronomical bill that was going to go back supposedly to the city. It was a big, it was a big, big local thing. Right. But uh, those are some well, of the stuff that tend to come up. Well, in our last couple of minutes here, actually a little over a minute, I, I want to make sure I thank you for being with me today, Brandon. It's been absolutely fascinating to, to talk with you and hear about the work that, that uh, SPT is doing um, and as I said, and I told you this from the very beginning, these, these are the kind of things that, although it's not directly related to surveying specifically, it's the kind of things that people who are surveyors, because we're so inquisitive about everything. <laughs> so I, I just really want to thank you for being with me today. It's been fantastic to have you on the show and hear about the company. And uh, now I'll, I'll understand better what, uh, what Richard's doing next door when I hear him through the walls over there putting something together or whatever. Because right. <laughs> no, they are literally right, back yeah. to back to us here right, in, in their office to ours. So. Very good. so, again, thank you for, for being with me today. Any questions I could ever ask, answer for you or any way we can help you out, please let us know, and, uh, and best of luck moving forward. If, if new, new technologies keep coming, let me know about them. We'll get them on the air so people can hear about them. Yes, sir. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy talking with you and uh, any time. So looking forward Thanks to the again. future. Take care. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.